Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Interesting time. I'm sure lots of different kinds of feelings. Ah, we're, all, we're all in this together. And I wanted to just take this moment to talk a little bit about what post-election self-care looks like. You know, and we have to we have to be able to talk about these things, whether we feel good or we feel bad about something. Sometimes self-care is definitely in order. Right. So I want to remind people, um, really just do what's going to make you feel good. Really prioritize and center wherever you are and what you need from that. Um, outcome elections really do tie to people's mental health in terms of feeling safer or less safe, more seen or less seen. And whether you're celebrating or your heart is hurting at what people in the country have allowed to have happen, there are things that we can do. And we kind of talked about this in the you know election readiness. But first off, build, build in your community. Be around the people you love and feel safe with. That's always so important to either celebrate or to talk about disappointment. Be around your people. You know, so no one feels like they're in this alone, um, whatever it is that you're struggling with or you're, you're in. Um, also, just giving yourself a break. I've been saying this through the whole pandemic. We are operating right now at 60 or 70%, and that's got to be good enough. And with you know, election outcomes, we also have to allow ourselves to have that as a response as well. You know, if you need to take the day off, you need to take the day off. Your mental health has to be coming first. So, hey, employers, I want you to really extend that to your employees that they're not necessarily going to be as present or as productive or even necessarily even available. Please, please honor that. That's how you really show your employees that you're centering mental health. You can't just talk the talk and not walk the walk. Um, also, just taking time away from screens. Like, I love that word screens, television, uh, your telephone. Um, because all these things are forced into our lives often via social media and what we're following, conversations or topics we're, we're just not ready to encounter or unpack. Some people just need to take a darn vacation and are getting out of town, you know? But as always, I want to remind people, you know, focus on eating what feels good to you, focus on getting rest, also finding joy. You know, whenever there are things that are feeling good in our lives, we are happy to lean in and celebrate that. But when things are going that feel a little bad or dark. We sometimes think we're not honoring that by maybe moving into things that bring us joy or make us laugh. And there's very much a space for that. I remember reading an interview with um, Drew Barrymore and she was doing something that involved, I think it was, I guess it was a film project and it was right around the time of 9-11 actually, right after. So we're going back a while. And I remember her saying that she felt like it was dishonoring what was going on by getting back to set. And then she said, but however, then I also did realize that there's a place for that, that in times of difficulty or struggle and even celebration, we need to be able to turn to art and we need to be able to turn to different outlets. And that film is an escape for many people. For others, it's also a friend and a comfort. You know, we feel like we're 
it's like a holding space. It's like a container. And so it's okay to still find joy and humor in times where things are difficult. And it's very easy to do when things are feeling great. But there's something really beautiful about laughing, you know? Um, and just, again, taking care of ourselves, saying, you know, this is an extraordinary time. It so is in so many ways. When I really pan out and I look at all that's occurred this year, we're talking earthquakes, we're talking fires, we are talking pandemic, we are talking about Black Lives Matters movement, we are talking about an important election. That is a lot for us as a culture and as individuals to encounter all at once. And a year for many of us feels far shrunken down and more concentrated than what a typical year might allow in terms of things being spaced out, you know? And the holidays are coming and we're not necessarily gonna be able to see or be with our family members to celebrate the way we want to. I was so proud of how everyone handled Halloween, saying just because it's different this year doesn't mean it doesn't count or it's not good. Difference doesn't necessarily always mean bad. And just really kind of showing up in the ways they need to. And that's kind of what we're needing to do right now. Strange, strange, strange times. But uh, we gotta be doing the best we can. You know, we're, we're all really in this together. And like I said, I wanna come out of the pandemic with a more, more of a collective consciousness, more compassion, more of us considering, you know, others in all of our decision-making and all of our pursuits. So... More of that always, more, more, more of that. You know, I work clinically with people all week long, really hearing about how harsh we can be to each other. And we, we very much need the opposite. Many of us need to be reminded of hope and that change is possible. And so we need to be able to find that wherever we can. So try to be a part of that for someone. But uh, bigger than that, like I said earlier, go back to community, surround yourself with people you love, stay connected. Uh, it's one of the most healing things in terms of mental health, but also when we're feeling a little bit of anxiety. So really kind of proud of everyone and how they're holding up and how they've been really focused on taking care of themselves. So continue to do that. I've got a great show plan for you. Uh, you know, take your mind off everything. We're going to be talking about dis different desire, disparate desires, they call it. What happens when you're in a relationship with someone whose sex drive is very different from yours? Also going to be talking about post-sex anxiety, especially after hookups. And uh, also what kind of relational expectations you should have on yourselves. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that as well as our DMs. And please make sure you're checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live. That's always on the radio.com handles, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ex uh, experts and celebrities talking about the intersections of mental health and COVID. So that's every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern live streaming. So check that out. And uh, as always, y'all, just make sure you're checking in on the trifecta, self-care, joy and pleasure and rest. And it's kind of what really grounds and anchors our mental health. All right. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about post hookup anxiety. Dun, 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 dun. You know, it's fascinating after sex. Um, well, let's go, let's go pre sex. So, when we start to get aroused, and remember, arousal is a state that, gosh, we can be in without recognizing it can be a slow build for some people. Other people, it's really palpable. But what happens is, and it's, it's very much a gift and it's an interesting, uh, disparate experience, is that once we get aroused, our executive functioning. It, it, it drops in that our inhibitions are let go of. And think about it, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing because A, it allows more pleasure, it allows more freedom and letting go. And if you track what you might be willing to do while in an aroused state, it's not the same things you would do when you're not in an aroused state. And my favorite example is something, and again, not everyone's gonna relate to this, so you have to kind of fill in your own blanks, but Let's think about it. When you're aroused, you'll put things in your mouth that you wouldn't in a non-aroused state. Let's look at feet. Some people, 
eh, if, if someone's like, ah, I put my foot in your mouth, they're like, that's gross. But in a state of arousal, maybe they're more willing to. You know, things like fingers, other body parts, right? There's a lot of things we're willing to do when we're in a aroused state because the inhibitions drop. Great. That allows us, like I said, to be more in our bodies, more present with what's happening, explore more newness and novelty. And that's why I love what can happen in an arousal state. We definitely ship, shift into a different neurological place. It's not the same psychology. So we definitely have a sexual psychology. But what happens is after we orgasm, our, our inhibitions pop back up and we are much more present and aware of all that's happening. So when we're aroused, our vulnerabilities drop. Great. When we orgasm and we're brought back to our non-aroused state, all of our vulnerabilities pop back up. And that's why after sex, a lot of people cover up, put their clothes back on. And some people want the person to leave or they want to go home, right? Because all of a sudden we're more present with what is. And it's also, a, you know, for some, a very honest moment where I say to some people, hey, what someone does after they orgasm can at times communicate Maybe it's just A, how much intimacy they can tolerate, right? And that's not something we choose. Our intimacy tolerance is something that's more historical. So sometimes what someone does after sex is just about traumas they've had, or it might be about low body esteem where, you know, now that again, they're not aroused and their inhibitions are back up and their vulnerabilities there, they don't feel as safe or comfortable being naked or close to someone else. Don't personalize it. It's their stuff. But sometimes it is a communication of how much closeness or intimacy they want. And after sex, it's a beautiful way to learn that. If the person's always got somewhere to go or, you know, they really kind of want to push you out, that's a communication. You know, it's letting you know what they're really interested in. So it's an honest moment. So what I really mean by that is you can use that to your benefit. If, if you're having sex with someone that you really care about and you want them to feel very close and very secure after orgasm, spend more time with them. Talk longer. Lay around cuddle, you know, it's a really powerful moment of vulnerability and we can use it to our benefit. Um, and also acknowledge what you do in that moment. Cause that might be one of the spaces where you're communicating to this person, something that's not true. Right. Uh, also that's the time when people maybe go into this whole space of STD worry and pregnancy concerns. Again, that's why I'm calling it post sex or post hookup anxiety. All the realities flood back, right? Also, some people, like I said, go into shame because they're like, oh man, I just had sex with someone. And we have all these cultural ideas of what does it mean that I had sex with this person? Might someone think I'm a sex addict or might someone think I'm a slut? Like, what does the meaning of this hold for me? And that will mostly exist after sex, right? We walk away. And like I always say, ethical, healthy sex is sex where we walk away at least better off or maybe neutral, but we're not worse off, right? And that's when all these moments start to come up. But again, we live in a culture that's so sex negative that we, instead of looking at someone's character and how they treat others to determine how healthy they are, we'll look at their sexual behaviors. And I'm proud of people that have very confident, creative sexual encounters because in our world, that's really hard to do. So in fact, people that are having the kind of sex they want with the amount of partners they want in the ways they want, what, a, what an act of self-worth and self-esteem. We, we tend to say the opposite. They must not love themselves that they're having that much sex. Or maybe it's that they do love themselves and they're not hung up on all your antiquated sex shaming ideas. And they're really empowered and they're really confident and they're living life in the way they want. And we should be proud of that, right? But again, that post-sex moment, a lot, a lot can come up where we're really forced to encounter who is this person 
person? What do I want? What meaning does this have? And again, remember that sex doesn't promise anything. Having sex with someone doesn't necessarily mean that you're working towards or building a relationship. It doesn't necessarily promise that you're building or working towards more intimacy or commitment. And that's why the best reason to really have sex is because in that moment, you want to have that act with somebody else, knowing that nothing is promised afterwards. The relationship can end. You might not see them again. This might not move forward and build into something else. And that's what I try to tell younger teens. Have sex because you feel ready. Have sex because you're educated. Have sex because you just want to have sex. It doesn't promise that that person will become your wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or you're going to you know get to know them better. Nope. Often not at all, right? Because most of us, we do not go to go on to have a long-term, serious, committed relationship with the first person we had sex with. And there's sexual developmental milestones, and um, we, we need to go through them. It, it really benefits us to be out in the world dating multiple people, learning about boundaries, communication skills, red flags, green flags. All those things matter, you know, and it's not something that is just innate and inborn in us. It's something you have to go explore. But if after sex you're having a lot of anxiety, the work is really looking about looking at, am I setting boundaries in terms of safer sex practices? Am I speaking up and, and, and having sex in the way that makes me feel safest? Um, do I have work to do around not internalizing shame that's other people's sex negativity or sex phobia, right? And just letting myself be as I am. Because again, sex is a powerful entry point for us to do that work on our body esteem, our self-esteem, and just learn more about who we want to be in the world, what we want, what we don't want. So if that anxiety is popping up, those are some of the things that it might be really truly more about. It's not about the sex, right? It's about the way you're having sex or the messages you're you're buying into after sex or the people you're choosing to have sex with that are reinforcing some of those problematic messages. So work to do. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about, this is so fascinating to me. It's what we should expect of ourselves and each other in terms of mental health. I think sometimes expectations are too high or sometimes too low. Also question of the night is as always up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveland IG page. So weigh in on that. Don't just sit there and be be a listener, a taker. You got to participate. So that's on our Loveland IG page. That's in the stories. It's up every day. Weigh in on that bad boy. And then also uh, Loveline. Past episodes are podcasted over at wearechannelq.com, along with a lot of other people's shows on Channel Q. We got some good stuff. So, you know, kind of maybe wander around, check out some of the other programs that are on there. Really diverse crowd. Good stuff. Um, so it's interesting. I Many, 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 many years ago, I was working with this couple, uh, doing couples therapy, and they said, is the idea that we become these like therapy robots and we're just, you know, robots and perfect all the time? And they were saying essentially like, what, what kind of expectations should we have on ourselves as a couple and as individuals? Like how high should that bar be? And it was interesting because I think, although we all know that perfect isn't the goal, I think we some, sometimes expect that where some people will have a presenting issue and all else is truly well. And I'll say, yeah, sometimes there's issues and not all issues are resolvable because when everything's great, but there's a thing or two that you want to work on, work on it, but don't have the idea that there should just never be a thing. Every relationship has that thing, that thing that's going to be there when, when we come together and you know, a third of issues we can resolve a third of issues. We can only improve and a third of issues. They're not going anywhere. That's just what it's going to be like to be together if you choose to stay together. And the whole work is going to be about maneuvering around that, right? Not everything is fixable. Sometimes the therapy is about transcending the issue, just letting the issue no longer matter letting go of it, accepting that that's just how it's going to be. And we don't want to keep getting trapped in this. And so we, we let it go. We walk away because again, a third we can resolve a third, we can only improve. And a third of things that's always going to be there. 
right? So you also have to pick your poison. And that's why when some people leave a relationship, I'm like, yeah, but you never know what that, that one third of unresolvable things is going to be at the next person or the person after that. You might be trading in for bigger problems because some people leave because they don't actually, they're not able to really truly live or embody the fact that there's always going to be something that's frustrating or disappointing. Because again, a good relationship is not about never upsetting or frustrating our partner. We have to be willing to be frustrated and let down. We're allowed to disappoint our partners. We're allowed to say, yeah, I know that you don't like that, but I choose to do it anyway because you still get to have some autonomy. Again, the work of a healthy relationship or marriage isn't to make sure we never upset our partner. And as we've talked about, if someone's triggered by something, that first is for them to learn about themselves. If you're triggered, that is for you to manage, for you to realize, well, that tells me I have work to do in this area because it triggers me. That lets me know where I have something broken, something fragile, something that needs improving, something that needs strengthening. Now, of course, our loving partner, knowing our triggers, if they want, can choose if it's healthy for them and doesn't pull them outside of their integrity and what's meaningful for them, they're allowed to try to avoid triggering us, but it shouldn't be focused on that. Don't trigger me. It should be focused on, I need to work on removing that trigger so I'm no longer wounded or no longer impacted in that way. And then if I want, I can also ask my partner to partner with me and be cooperative and try to not let that trigger happen. But that's not always doable. So remember that. That's possible, but not always doable. But Back to my larger point, no. I don't want everyone to be a therapy robot. And what I always say to clients is, I hope for them what I hope and expect of myself, that I will deal with things better, that I will catch them sooner, that they will have less severity. That's all you can expect, that we deal better. That's it. But things are gonna happen. There's gonna be conflict. That's not a sign that something's bad or wrong. That's part of a relational system. Relationships are where we grow up. Relationships are where a mirror is held up and someone's saying, grow up around this. Like I'm holding a mirror up and, and your triggers and, and everything you're struggling with is a sign of where the work is. Now the partner matters. Sometimes we co-create something with a partner that's beyond what we can manage and we need to leave. And yes, it's not a vacuum. Our partners are a real person bringing things in that we're responding to, but relationships are first and foremost supposed to t help us transform. It's also like being a parent, being a parent and someone's romantic partner and any kind of you know, relationship in your life. It's about growing up. How can I be better first? Not pointing the finger at the other immediately, but first looking at ourselves and saying, where's my work? What do I need to work on? What do I need to change? We only learn that by being in relationship to others. Off on a deserted island by ourselves, there's no work we need to do, right? Our work is always relational. It's always about these systems, how we're relating to people or different things in our lives. But if we're alone on a deserted island, you don't need therapy. <laughs> You're just sitting there trying to learn how to deal with self and that's far easier often. But again, I want to make sure everyone has like these realistic expectations on, on ourselves and others in our relationship. Not perfect. And some couples truly think that they truly have that goal. Even when they can consciously say they don't believe that that's what they're working towards, they are, you know, and that's why you have to learn how to right size things, especially right now with all that's going on in the world. Right size it is, is my response really in line with what's actually happening or am I getting lost in myself and dramatizing, making things harder? You know, things are hard enough as they are. <laughs> Let's not bring in undue stress or complication when not, when not necessary or needed. You know what I mean? Uh, tough times, y'all. Let's be kind with ourselves and others. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be doing DMs. And uh, for those that are new to the show, DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you have a DM, any question that you want answered, anything you want clarified, slide on in there and drop it in there. Always confidential and anonymous. You know what I mean? And then a question night will be coming up later. And then uh, coming up next... Uh, we'll come up next is DMs, but after that, we're going to be talking about 
desirability towards ourselves. Yep, that's right. We don't often think about how desirable do I find myself and what meaning does that have and what impact does that have on my sexuality and my relationship. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hi, Dr. Chris. My name is Amanda and I've been working home for the past seven months working from home. Like the rest of the world, about two months ago, we got a new coworker. We can call him Sam. <laughs> I love that name. Sam is funny, intelligent, super cute. Sam always is. Uh, if we, well, that's me saying that part, sorry. If we were in the office, obviously, I'd be able to ask him out for drinks or whatever, but you know, quarantine. <laughs> Do you have any tips or maybe a way I could ask him out? Uh, yeah, ask him out. <laughs> I, I'm all about direct, honest, clear communication. I think when people ask someone out, they should use the word date many times. People say things like, hang out, grab coffee, and that confuses the person you're asking, and they're not sure what maybe you're asking, and they're afraid that they said yes to maybe a date when they weren't sure if you really meant coffee. So the only way to ask someone out is directly. I think we should always be assertive and ask someone out. Um, there's no way to easily see if they're interested. We're adults. We just confidently give someone the compliment of asking them out if it's appropriate. And if they say no, we completely say thank you and we leave them alone. We do not circle back. We do not ask again. Uh, we let people be. Uh, so the only then, you know, risk question is that this is a coworker that you'll be working together in the office with. So that really mandates that you both act like adults. And if it doesn't go well, that you're able and willing to still work around each other. I think love and relationships should be one of the most important things in our life. So I do think it's worth if you're interested in someone giving it a shot, I think work is something that's meaningful, it's important, helps us pay our bills, but our lives are about relationality and that's what we need to center. And so ask them out, just be appropriate about it. Don't make them feel uncomfortable. Um, if there's someone else that you're also interested in that you don't work with, I would go that route first. If you're someone who's looking for monogamy, if you're into multiple people, ask them all out. Uh, but yeah, coworker stuff, it just requires boundaries and maturity, but uh, it happens sometimes. Okay. Next one, uh, hello, Dr. Chris. I'm trying to get into sex toys for the first time. I'm single, but I literally have no idea where to start. I've tried Googling it, but I just get overwhelmed. Can you give some sex toy tips for beginners? Um, you're trying to get in, but you have no idea where to start? Yeah, it's personal. I want you to go online and see something that grabs your attention, but you really have to decide what you're looking for. Are you looking for something that is inserted? Are you looking for something that's vibrating? Are you looking for something that's more of a sex leave? You have to kind of figure out what you want. I, I can't choose one of those for you, not knowing what kind of experience you're looking for. So my best advice is always just go online, look for something that seems interesting and give it a shot. Because again, there's things that are external, internal, things for penis owners, things for different orifices, and, and I just don't really know what you're looking for. So it's a little bit too broad of a question. I don't think that there's a beginner sex toy. I think you should go after something that makes sense to you. So choose what kind of body part, choose what body part you want focused on, and then choose what kind of sensation. And then you go online and you find something internal, like I said, or external, something that's vibratory. Uh, there's so much out there I know it can be overwhelming. 
Uh, you definitely want to spend money though. The cheaper ones are made of cheaper components and materials and they can fall apart and they can break and sometimes they can also harm us. The FDA does not regulate sex toys. And so you have to pay money to get a high quality product, which is just kind of how all of life works, but it's worth it. But go online, see what grabs you. But no, there's not necessarily a beginner toy. Again, choose the body part and uh, good websites will really walk you through that. Pleasure Chest is one of the favorites. So I'd go to Pleasure Chest. They definitely have an online component stores in LA and New York. Great sex educators. All the staff is trained. You could even call. There's people that are in the stores and maybe they could help walk you through. So I would do that. All right, sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan condoms because it's a big old sex world question of the night it's up on our loveline ig page so on that coming up next we're going to talk about what to do when you're in a relationship where you have different levels of sexual desire listen to loveline with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com all right we're back oh you know it's interesting uh <laughs> how we are often so other focused right where we're wondering if our partners find us hot, we wonder if our partners find us sexy, we wonder if our partners want us, but we never ask ourselves, what do you think about your own self? You know, Because when we're having sex, I always use this food analogy where it's like a um, potluck. If you really feel good about what you brought and what you're offering and what you're presenting, oh my gosh, you point to it, you wanna make sure everyone knows it's yours, you stand behind it, you're really confident. But if you're kind of bringing something to the party that's really not good or kind of slapped together, you hide it. You don't really want anyone to know that's yours. You don't wanna stand behind it. And our bodies are that way. How desirable do we feel about ourselves? And that's where the work has to start. If you're feeling really not comfortable being vulnerable, not comfortable being naked, not comfortable being seen, check in on that. And one of the most ways to really assess that is to ask yourself, like, do you have sex in ways that are always trying to limit your exposure and being seen by the other? Are you always having sex with the lights off? Are you always having sex partly dressed or covered? Are you always having sex in positions where you can't be seen, where it's from behind and there's no eye contact? Are you always having sex with your eyes closed? Because in an ideal world, the lights are on, we can see them seeing us, our eyes are open, and we're really present and embodied. But when we are closing our eyes, turning away, turning the lights down, staying partially or fully covered, it's a turning away from self and other. Not just other, but also self. So the first question is, how desirable do I feel about myself? How good do I feel about that which I'm trying to offer, present, and, 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 and do, can I stand behind it? And that's where the work starts. We always forget to ask ourselves that. And the partnered question is, what makes me feel most sexy and desirable? That's what I want to start with or lead from, right? It's not always about how do I turn my partner on or what does my partner want to see me in or see me doing? What do I want to see myself wearing? What do I get turned on by imagining happen sexually? What makes me feel hot? Because your sexuality, your orgasm, your arousal matters too. And that's a really difficult thing. We really, really think that it's often always about the other. No, worry about your orgasm. Let them be in their body and in their mind leading based on what makes sense to them. And you do the same. What's gonna feel good to you? Ask for that. Where do you wanna be touched? Ask for that. You know, put their hands there. It's not just always about the other. So that's always my first question. How do you feel about yourself? How desirable are to you to yourself? And if you don't find yourself desirable or sexy, that's where the work begins. We want to at least neutral. I'm all about body neutrality, but sexual positivity where you at least can imagine yourself desired. And that's where this other word comes in, erotic empathy, where we're turned on by ourselves because our partner's turned on. You know, it's kind of like when you see someone happy about something and you're smiling. 
You know, you're smiling at how happy they are because it's their birthday or smiling at how happy they are because they got a promotion. You're happy for them. We can also do that erotically. They're so turned on by us and so hungry for us that we can empathize with that and we can get turned on that they're turned on. It's a feedback loop. Them being turned on makes us turned on. But you still have to feel good about self. We can build some of that up by having our worth and value reflected back, which is why it's really important to have sex with people that make you feel safe and hot and desired because our self-worth and our sexual self-esteem is very much reflected back to us. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but you have to be cautious and make sure you're having sex and dating people that reflect back you're hot, you have worth, you have value. Because if not, it's going to be really hard for you to feel that way about yourself if they're eroding at that, taking that away, not part of that, right? So again, it's self and it's other, but start with self. And if you're not feeling desire about the, about, about the body you're in, that's where the work begins. Why do you not find your body type erotic? How can you start to? Can you start to watch porn that centers the kind of body you have? showing you that it's desirable, working towards associating pleasure with it. So pay attention to the porn you're looking at. Make sure it has the body you have, the fantasies you're having. Make sure having sex and dating partners that do value the body you have. That's, that's, that's a mandatory thing. If they're telling you to be different or to change, that is not gonna be part of your process of feeling good about who you are. And so you have a right to have sex with others instead, leave that relationship or just say to them, listen, I want you to stop telling me all the negatives and the feelings you have about my body that you don't like because I don't need to know that. That's not my struggle, that's yours. My job isn't to change myself to meet your attractability needs or desirability needs. You're working on your own process with self. And the problem is the more committed we get, the more intimate we are, the more vulnerable we are. So the more committed and the more intimate, that the more their opinion of us matters. When it's really new, it matters and we're anxious, but it's, it's not as deep as once we've been with them longer, built a life with them, maybe got married, maybe built a house, maybe kids, it's more fragile. And we start to shut down and really hold back who we are in those moments, right? So it's such a, it's such a reciprocal loop. So again, our, our partners, how they engage us and our body matters, but also our sense of self. So start with that question. What makes me feel desirable? What makes me feel good about being in my body and puts me in the mood? And start kind of developing that. It's, it's also very gendered at times. I find people that are female presenting far more aware or comfortable with the idea of what they need to do or wear or how they need to be to feel erotic. Where for people that are male identified, it's very foreign for them to sexualize themselves. Very, very foreign. So it's even more of an impactful journey for them. All right, y'all. Coming up, uh, question of the night and then some DMs. So uh, get on that. It's on our Loveline IG page. Uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Uh, question of the night, as always, that's up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. Then we'll be some, doing some DMs, but I wanted to talk about celebrating holidays alone. Really important. You know, many of us have spent a lot of milestones alone this year and will continue to. We don't know how long, you know, we're going to be in this lockdown. I'll tell you what, we're definitely not going to get our lives back if everyone won't please, 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 please stop having get-togethers. Uh, you, yep, can't have your baby shower this year. Sorry, can't have your wedding, can't have your birthday. And, you know, again, it's about, it's about everyone else too. When you guys choose to have these events, you're possibly setting everyone back. Now, for those that are following the rules, this is for you. There's, look, holidays are still gonna be here, right? And I'm kind of reminding everyone over and over, just because 
it's not going to be the way it always was. It doesn't mean it's not happening, right? Halloween was not canceled. Christmas is not canceled. Indigenous People's Day is not canceled. New Year's Eve is not canceled. But yes, it's got to be different this year. And difference is not always bad. You can't get together in large groups or indoors, and that's okay. And for some people, they're going to be spending it completely alone. That's okay too. But there's some things we can do to make it not feel as harsh. Um, And that's what I wanted to talk about. But first, you just have to have a different perspective that it's okay if things are different this year. There will be a point where they can go back to uh, how they were or more importantly, evolve into a new way of being. But we can still celebrate. You know, I had to celebrate my birthday alone this year. Some friends wanted to get together and do stuff. And I said, no, I'm honoring what's going on in the world during a pandemic. It is okay. (laughs) if I pass on having my birthday the way it traditionally is, you know, but I prepared knowing that it was going to be solo and most likely some of the holidays I'll be spending solo, you know? Um, So the first thing is thank God for technology. I'm glad we have television, watch tons of TV, watch tons of movies. If there's a day that's really hard for you and you want to distract or you want to really dissociate and not have to be present with all that's coming up, that's okay. You're allowed to binge watch movies and television and maybe leave a few knowing that the holidays are coming up and maybe on one of those holiday days, you're going to feel most disconnected or most lonely and you're going to miss your family. Plan on watching some movies. Again, a really great way to be distracted. Have a marathon. Also, ask your friends to send you things. I have, um, I'm in a relationship long distance and part of us staying connected has been sending gifts back and forth, notes, letters, packages. Do that with friends. Maybe start writing letters with friends or sending each other gifts or making something for each other. There's really exciting, it's really exciting to get something in the mail still. And I'd forgotten how meaningful that could be. Um, letting someone know you're thinking of them. So try to do that, right? Another thing you can do is just go virtual. And I know that people are doing that and, and people are thriving within that. Again, it's different, but difference doesn't mean it's bad. And I participated in some people's celebrations of different things by coming in via FaceTime or Zooming and catching up that way. You can still hang out with your friends on that way. Again, you can spend your birthday or the holiday catching up on Zoom for a while, eating with them via Zoom for a while. You know, again, not the same, but not, not doesn't necessarily have to be bad. So definitely go shopping have foods in the house that will make you feel good. You don't have to pretend the holiday isn't happening, right? You can still play the holiday music. You can still cook for yourself a traditional holiday meal. You can then get on your FaceTime or the computer and check in with family members. And then later in the night, settle into watching some television, you know, have a glass of wine. If alcohol is something that feels good to you, eat tons of delicious things, play music, take a bath, make, make it meaningful still. I think that that's far better. Instead of leaning out of it, uh, because of sadness, lean into it and, and try to find some joy in it. For those that want to completely, you know, ignore its presence, that's okay too. You don't have to participate in a holiday just because culture has chosen to designate that day or those days as quote unquote a holiday. You don't have to feel pressured to participate. But I think for some people, it's meaningful to still decorate. You know, why, who are you decorating for if no one's going to see it? You. You have worth and value. You're going to see it. You have a right and you have the worth to walk around your home or your apartment or your space and see it decorated and to find some joy in that. And that's why I do some decorating. I will be playing the music that makes me feel good. I'm, I'm buying the meals that I normally associate with these special days so I can still participate in some way, you know, and I'm going to reach out and connect with people via technology, right? So there's lots of things you can do. And also take some time to kind of explore what's available. I was surprised to hear, at least in my area, and not close, close. I mean, some of these are about an hour or an hour and a half ride, but there's still some drive. There were some drive through haunted houses around Halloween. There's still some drive-in style movie theaters where people are performing on stages and you're in your car. So 
you know, you can still drive around and look at people's decorated homes with yourself or family members. Like there's so many ways to still participate because most people are still going to decorate. They're still going to dress up, you know? Um, also, you know, again, journal about your year. Take some time to kind of reflect back on what the year's been like, what you've learned, what you want to learn. Um, also, depending on the temperature, get outside, you know? It's a really good way to kind of break up the monotony and remind you that, the world is still there and people are still participating. You'll see people out on the streets. You'll see people out shopping. So it doesn't have to be complete and total isolation. But again, like I said, prepare knowing it's coming. Have those foods that'll make you feel good. Also decorate because for you, you're worth walking around your space feeling really good. Still play that music and still maybe choose to fully get dressed up, right? But I am urging people to please not pressure friends and family members to still come in a big group to your home for a birthday, a holiday, a baby shower. Like it's really heartbreaking that I'm working with clients and friends and whatnot and they're feeling bad or pressured. And not just things like money troubles, but they just don't feel safe. And they're feeling pressured because people are saying, oh, well, it's my this, it's my that. Well, you know, have a little more thought and care for those around you, right? But the, the bigger point is still celebrate somehow, you know? You can, you can choose to pass, but um, it might still feel good to participate in some way or just go bigger next year. You know, we got options. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to be doing some question of the night. We'll be back listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back and it is time for question of the night. Question of the night comes from our Love Line IG page in the stories. All right, according to Good Humans Only... It's actually a really, really, really fun website. Here are five things to tell yourself when you're stressed out. All right, so get a piece of paper, get that phone out, jot this down. Five things to tell yourself when you're stressed out. I'm more than enough, bam. I release my need to control, bam. I'm resilient and capable. I am more than my accomplishments and I am worthy of rest. I like a lot of those, especially the, uh, my, I release my need to control. A lot of the work in therapy is letting go, being better than something, transcending it, right? Just kind of figuring out what we can learn from it and moving on. We can't tackle everything. I also like the idea of I'm worthy of rest. I think we need to be resting more. I think we're working far too long, far too hard, far too many hours. Um, make the new year goal to work less, work only 60%, 70%, focus more on rest, joy, pleasure, mental health. Seriously. I watch people's lives and relationships get run to the ground because they're burnt out and they just want to give their family whatever's left over and healthy people won't accept leftovers. They'll say, you need to find a better balance, set boundaries at work, set boundaries with maybe friends or set boundaries with your partner. Sometimes our primary partner wants more time than we're able or willing to give and we want to see our friends. Maybe you have to say to your partner, listen, certain nights will be family nights or partner nights, but other nights I want to go out with my friends. I always advocate for that, having a night out where it's just you and your friends and then have a date night and then maybe a family night. You know what I mean? Like all sorts of different things. Okay, so uh, bigger than that, question of the night is, what do you tell yourself when you're feeling anxious and does it help? First person said, I tell my wife that she's beautiful and the strongest woman I have ever met when she's feeling down. Someone else said, I've been needing to remind myself more and more that I'm enough because lately it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I know. This is, I read the most beautiful thing ever. And it was a comment a husband was saying to his wife. If you ever feel like you need to change who you are physically, 
uh, then clearly I'm not doing my job to make you feel perfect and beautiful as you are. And I thought that there was something really honest in that. When we get into a, re a romantic relationship, it's okay to want your partner to reflect back your desirability and attractability. That's acceptable. Again, self-esteem isn't something that we have where we don't care what other people think or, you know, self-esteem is relational esteem. It's reflected back and it's, it's an accumulation of the ways people have treated us and the value they've shown us to have. And, and we need other people to be a mirror and reflect that back. And so, yeah, I, I compliment your partners. We're, we're often so good and, and we're so sensitive about calling out and critiquing things that trouble us. But a lot of people often give no compliments. And so sit with that for a second. Give your partner a compliment at least once a day. And if you can't, then you have a bigger problem. Then you're with someone you shouldn't be with anymore or you have resentment and anger to work through. Uh, but every day, every single day, tell your partner something about them that's meaningful to you. You can't always be just saying the negative. It burns people out and it becomes toxic. People that are in relationships where they're always being told they're doing wrong, that's toxic and it's time to go. And so be someone who's a positive influence, right? You wanna be part of making someone's self-esteem and self-worth increase and grow and expand, not shrink and diminish. That's not why we get into romantic relationships. Some people forget that. Um, we get into them to enhance our life, not to make our life harder, more problematic. Conflict happens, yes, but it shouldn't make our life harder, more complex, or more difficult. That is not why we do it. Um, like I said, someone else said question tonight, which is what do you tell yourself when you're feeling anxious and does it help? Someone else said, I've been needing to remind myself more and more that I'm enough because lately it doesn't feel like it. I know because I think we're trying too hard right now. We're in a pandemic. There's a lot going on. We need to drop the bar. We're doing 60 or 70% max, setting boundaries, saying no to things. And it's hard. Um, I'm someone who has many, many, many careers and it's really hard and all of them want more and more and more. And I've had to realize like I get to have downtime and I've had to push back on client hours and everything else. And sometimes you need to do that as well. And when someone's saying that you don't feel like you're enough, it's because you have too high of an expectation of yourself. Drop your expectations. And that's uncommon for people to hear. Everyone thinks it's always about doing more and doing better, but that's capitalism. We don't need to do more better. We need to work on being content with exactly where we are. We need to work on being content with, it, with exactly what we have. And we need to be learning to be content with exactly what's going on in our lives. It's about contentment, not always pushing and needing more. Question tonight, what, did you, what do you tell yourself when you're anxious and does it help? Someone said, I tell myself, quote unquote, you can get through this. You can do it and you are loved. That's awesome. I love that one. And uh, somebody else said, what do you tell yourself when you're feeling anxious? I always tell myself that I'm loved and I'm here for a reason. And kind of what this is, really why I love this question is it really focuses on our self-talk. And we want to be very aware of how we talk to ourselves. Because again, that's going to really enhance or undermine um, our comfort or our confidence. So really listen to that script. You know, talk, to, talk about yourself lovingly. All right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. And as always, we'll be back in two minutes with a two-minute promise. And uh, also check out past episodes of Loveline on WeAreChannelQ.com because all the good stuff is there. All right, we'll be back with some DMs. All right, we're back. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, is there an age limit to send kids to therapy? My son is 10, but I can already see anxiety disorders in him and they're coming out as anger. I know this because I have them too. I didn't go to therapy until really late in my life and I don't want that to happen to him. But seeing a therapist at 10 just sounds odd to me. Not because I'm embarrassed, but because I feel like he might not even know the emotions he's going through yet. So how can he tell a stranger what he's feeling? Um, therapy is great at all ages, truly. 
uh, you know, the best part about people that work with children is they know how to work with children, right? And children definitely express themselves, their thoughts, their feelings, their struggles, their emotions differently. And a trained child therapist knows how to accommodate that. And they use things like play therapy. I want people to get the help they need. And age shouldn't be a limit to that. So there are children in therapy from all sorts of ages. 10 is absolutely appropriate. Find a good child therapist in your area. Um, and they'll be able to accommodate that. But I agree with you. Don't, don't necessarily back off of therapy because of the age. And although I know you said you're not embarrassed, I do think you're afraid of what that would mean, but it's going to give him a better adolescence. Working through those things now means he doesn't have to go through his teenage years struggling with anxiety or even bring them into adulthood. Maybe they can get resolved now, or he can learn some resilience or, you know, mental health management skills. And I know these sounds like these sound like big, complicated adult concepts, but they're brought down to a child's level. And it's a great thing. I actually have a, a therapist friend of mine right now, and we were doing a case consult, and he's working with a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old around the grieving process and mourning the loss of her father. And it's such a beautiful relationship, and she's really blessed to have him, and he's doing really good work with her, and I'm thankful that the family access therapy, and she values the relationship as well, the 10-year-old. And so it's, you know, anyone's gone through child therapy as an adult, if they had good therapy, they're thankful it happened. And so get your child into some therapy, you know, again, they'll, they'll handle what that needs to look like, but, um, don't, don't wait just because you think it's too young. It's not, you know, we need to meet people where they're at and not get hung up on what, what their age might mean or their gender, whatever it is. If someone needs something, let's provide those resources and those resources def definitely exist. And there's some amazing work being done out there in terms of child therapy. So yeah, please get your child some therapy. And that's what I want to say to everyone. You know, there's no right or wrong reason to get into therapy. Some people enter therapy saying, I don't really know why I'm here, but I know that I want to work on some stuff. Or some people come in saying, I just want to be better. And I don't know what the specific symptoms or treatment is. And I say, great, let's work on that. Um, there's always work to be done. And I love that some people want the safe space. Some people want that intimacy because they don't have access to it otherwise. Some people want to bounce their thoughts off of someone. Some people want someone kind of on their journey with them. Some people want someone to coach them and help them tweak and improve on things. And so there's no wrong reason. There's no right reason. All the reasons are good reasons. Therapists are trained in a multitude of modalities and find someone who specializes. I'm a big fan of specialization. We can't specialize in everything. It's just not possible. So be wary of a therapist that literally covers everything. It's just not possible. Someone that works with children will have a focus on that and, and they'll be able to help you. But maybe just place the call or send the email and pose that question to them. Say, I know you work with children. My child's 10. I have some uncertainty about how that would work. Help me understand how this could help them. And they'll, and they'll hold your hand through it, you know? And, um, your child will thank you. So, you know, reach out. And I said to everyone, there's no right or wrong reason. Don't think that you're not bad enough, you know, to get into therapy. Please don't also think that you're too far gone. Please don't think that there's not help for you. Uh, there's so much diversity in the kinds of therapists and the way they work. I understand that some people of color want a color, a therapist of color. I love that. Some LGBT people want LGBTQIA therapists. I love that. Do what you need to do. Find the resources. They're available. I just want everyone to feel safe, secure, and uh, center their mental health, you know? So, anywho, and that's what the DMs are about. So if you have a question, thought, or concern, drop them in the DMs. Someone else might be struggling or wondering about the same thing. We're always here for you around the clock, so drop them in, and it'll show up on the show at some point. Always confidential and anonymous if you want it to be. And as I said, Question of the Night is always up on our Loveline IG page. Loveline, if you want to check out past episodes, it's podcasted at wearechannelq.com, as is my live streaming show. I'm listening live on all the radio.com handles. You can check it out on radio.com's YouTube Facebook and Twitter, always experts and celebrities. And that's every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. 
Eastern. As always, you guys, thanks for hanging out with me. Have a beautiful night. If you haven't already built into your day some self-care, some joy, pleasure, and some rest, now's the time to do so. And also decide how you can do it tomorrow. That is how we take care of our mental health. Thanks for hanging out with me, you all, and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.